Welcome to the Backwards Infect at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now? Starting off tonight, I definitely wanted to talk about the word synchronicities something that is kind of been a mystery but it, but everything's starting to kind of add up and all the puzzle pieces are starting to come together uh, ever so slowly starting with the the first of the week so devotion has been you know a big a big word as far as how far do you take your spirituality path and and what can be accomplished and kind of how far does the rabbit hole go? So I got this word almost immediately after the last podcast, just on, I think it was on Wednesday and synchronicities because, you know, I'm pretty big with colors and numbers and types of things we see and, and the signs that are kind of happening all around us and and the magic you you hear about awakened people talk about the magic of the universe if you're playing the game and you're plugged in it's pretty much non-stop and i think what that magic is as far as what we're seeing visually and what's what's coming back to you is right around the word synchronicities and i had a lot of traveling to do last week as well so i knew i was going to have a lot of podcast time and i have not dived into gene hart very thoroughly which i knew you were a little ahead of me on that and that was part of my synchronistic week as well just listening to gene's gene hart's podcast and hearing him talk um on a different level because it's gene hart is one of those guys that you can dive into like you don't necessarily want to dive into him when he's talking about astral projection or dive in when he's talking about certain things. I think there's a starting point with Gene Hart to where you want to listen to him talk about so you can hear and kind of build that trust with them and then go on to the bigger and better stuff. But once I heard those first couple podcasts and I had, you know, a lot of resonating going on, and then getting into the the more serious stuff like the lucid dreaming and the astral projections kind of all goes hand in hand. But just a little tidbit of info. It's kind of, for me, where I started off with him, he's a pretty intense guy. So kind of got to set the tone with, with him and y'all two get on the same page before you start going down the rabbit holes that he goes down. But once you do, I mean, the synchronicities with him, with us, everything that we're doing. Um, but just to, just a little bit more detail as far as how everything synchronized as far as being awake. Once, once you decide to play that game, the magic of it is almost nonstop for me, especially when I'm driving with the colors, uh, red and yellow are big for me. Um, numbers obviously. Um, but, it's, it's kind of a never-ending thing. I, I remember t- 
talking to you at one time for an hour or two on the way back. And we were talking about lucid dreams and how we're going to delve into that, that realm and explore, uh, get into astral projection. And this is my major example of the week, right? So I, we had that long conversation and then right as I turned the radio on, it's as though something's asked me or something. And it's not a thought or a voice or anything. It's just like intuition. Like here comes, here comes this synchronicity, like storm. And that's exactly what it was. The rest of the 30 minutes home, it the music was playing and they were all music where the, the lyrics were ones that you could understand. It wasn't like heavy metal or, or a rap or anything like that. It was a Spotify playlist that comes on after my podcast. And it just, just bam, 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 right after another. And even if a word doesn't make sense, that word comes into your ear or a group of words, and it just goes in one ear and out the other. And it just waits for the 10 seconds for the next one to hit. And then bam, that one hits. So it's not like, yeah, you turn on the radio, every single word is just some synchronistic event. But there is these things that keep hitting you. And every time they hit you, you're like, dang, that's another synchronistic event. That's another thing. It's coming through the radio. And you pull your head up and you're looking at, you know, a flock of birds that's flying in this crazy synchronistic way. And then I see my colors, red and yellow. Uh, right in front front of me with a red car and a yellow line it's just it's just constant 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 if you play that game that magic continues um but yeah that's kind of how i wanted to start to show that that word is 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 a mystery and and very difficult to put those times in because they are intimate i mean they're trying to describe intimate times that are meant for the person on that spiritual path so it's it's definitely not the easiest thing of things to put into words. Yeah, I think for me synchronicity is very closely related to skepticism. <clears throat> and I I mean that in the sense of the contrast because I was always able to receive like synchronistic events like that, that was a somewhat common occurrence for me. But in the past, what would happen is I would find like, I would find myself in some kind of synchronistic event and I would be directly after that moment, I would be trying to figure out like what that meant. Like I just received meaning and then I would go into hyperdrive trying to figure out like what that means. And all you're doing there is like turning on that thought process that's actually going to block your ability to start creating that snowball or that synchronicity storm. So that's what I figured out after awakening. I mean, in terms of not even trying to do it, but just being flabbergasted by a synchronistic event and having it hit so hard. And then, I mean, before you can even recover you would have another event and by the time you know two or three roll in you're just like okay i'm listening and you just you give up on the interpretation so 
that skepticism that I used to hold on to that I think intellectually and conceptually, I mean, it makes it's, I don't, I don't know how to intellectualize like another way of being. I don't know how to talk to the old version of myself and try to explain to him like the, the amount of magic that you're not able to pursue because of your skepticism because that guy can't understand things any other way like it's my job to like think of this through every possible scenario it's my job to apply the intellect and try to understand what's happening but it was that skepticism that was keeping me from what i understand now is those synchronistic storms Your your story alone, just going back to the very beginning of the awakening, you you have to have a lot of confirmation or confidence in, in synchronistic storms since that first two weeks. As soon as the thoughts stopped in the way that they did, all of a sudden these synchronicities started. So your contrast of thought or intellectual thought compared to what happened when all those thoughts were laid down was like pretty magnificent. And just to back it out as far as like over the last five, six months, it turns into like people being in sync, like me and you being in sync, um, us being in sync with with other people that do this. Um, And that's pretty much along the lines of universal truth. But synchronicities go a little bit, a little bit further in detail and and again, you know, a lot of it is for me or it is for Kane. Um, but it is, especially when you feel them as a group or two people, those are pretty powerful as well. Um, but they're, the magic of it is, is pretty insane. If, if I would say if you're in that synchronistic state that, and those are happening, you know, multiple times and you're willing to play that game, even if you work and you're able to play that game on your way to work, or you're able to, you know, play that game on break. Or if, if at those times where you're, you have those moments that you you jump into it and it's all over the place. I mean, it's, it's a lot of me just riding that wave, you know, because you can't take yourself back to your awakening and see the synchronistic events that happened and not even about the events or or what happened or any examples of it. Just the fact that you went from thought to synchronicities, like the contrast of intellectual thought yeah. into like what that was. And what that was has nothing to do with what was. It's, it's a weird magical process that opened. It's almost like you have a a wave of universe that you just pretty much say, Hey, you know, do I, every, everything around you kind of becomes magic. If you're further in that state, I mean, down to like simple, simple stuff, simple stuff. Yeah. Cause the magic is it's coming from you and it's coming from your interpretation of the universe. Like I remember when I was, when I was still in the state of realizing everything still in the state of bliss, 
there's this back dock that I have to, that I'm on every day and they have set up, um, basically like a megaphone connected to the radio, like just regular terrestrial radio. And it, acoustically, it just sounds like crap. I mean, it's the most awful sound. And they have it set up to just the radio. So it just goes through a cycle of, you know, playing songs and then playing commercials. And I remember pulling up to the dock and I get out and it's just blaring this annoying commercial. And I kind of just smiled at myself because at that point, like I'm listening to Eckhart Tolle all the time. I mean, I was just, I had his book on repeat basically. And I know I'm not supposed to interpret the sound I'm hearing as a negative, but I'm kind of laughing to myself because it's such a negative sound because it's just blaring. It's like just this, you know, like avoid the noise dominoes commercial or just something that's like purposely annoying so i'm almost like smiling at the universe and laughing at the universe and you're kind and there's like a little bit of an ask you're like okay can you guys give me something to work with and then boom will smith getting jiggy with it and i hear will smith getting jiggy with it and i i can't believe it like i don't even remember the last time i heard that song i mean i don't remember ever hearing that song recently. I mean, it's an old ass song and I'm dancing on the dock to like Will Smith getting jiggy with. Cause I just can't believe that it revealed itself in that way. Like there was a little bit of a communication going back and forth. And then that's what the delivery was. And it was filled with a message and I just received it as meaning. And it's, and so the next day, it's like the same exact scenario pops up, exactly the same thing. But now I'm riding on like the day before. And you show up and it's like you pull the same thing, some annoying commercial. If you, if you ever listen to the radio, like they play commercials just as often as they do music. And so immediately I start kind of I'm joking with the universe. I'm like, oh, here we go again. You know, what do you got for me today? I'm like, there's no way you can top getting jiggy with it. There's no way. I, I, there's nothing you can do. Get Jiggy with it was perfect. And then, bam, from Back to the Future, that's the power of love. Like the beginning of that song. And so you're talking to the universe, like in this jovial manner, and it's just talking back. And... It's like you said, it's very intimate. Like, it's not something that you can expect somebody to hear and um, have it have that same impact. But I can easily put myself back there in terms of what it meant to me. Like you were you were daring the universe. And the universe answers back and and you're just like, okay, I hear you. Like there's obviously I, I accept all this meaning. If you haven't heard the intro to that Power of Love song, it's something else. It's just this um, powerful, powerful musical intro, and it just hits you real hard. I was just like, holy cow. It was amazing. So the song that came on, I just heard it again. I think it was on, I saw some clip of the Emmys uh, last night. Was it? No, I think it... 
No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was on America's Got Talent. The song Up the Hill, some contestant was singing that song. I just signed a deal with God. That was after I just had a, like an hour-long conversation with you explaining my lucid dream about signing a contract <laughs> in my dream with an angel guide singing across from me. Yeah. That song came on and that's the song to listen to as well. But I mean, it's not going to have the same effect as though it hits you as like some synchronicity, but I'm sure you'll hear it at some point. Um, but for that song to come on, the words are just, they're spoken so clearly. Like it's not a song that you don't understand the words that are coming out of their mouth. It's, there is scripture into that. Those that I think it's, all things work to the good of something that loved the Lord or something. I mean, it's worded in a very religious type way. Um, it doesn't, doesn't really do it justice, but there's, there's scriptures in again that hit all around and are very close. And with, when you apply your intuition, you can kind of pull the meaning out of that scripture and say, Oh, okay. I see what, I see what the, they were trying to portray there. Cause everything, once you're out of judgment, like if you turn, obviously like when you used to walk into stores or retail places, judgment was just second nature, judgment, second nature. When commercial comes on judgment, second nature, when loud music comes, it's just a constant reactive. So when all that stops, all of a sudden it's constant synchronicities. Everything's working for the benefit of you and everything around you, everything around by you being nothing, you become something and you're, you're playing the verse, your aura all around, all around as you glide through the, through the universe, affecting it the way you are. Yeah. It's, and I'm just thinking through this now, but it's, it's almost like you're, planting seeds in yourself like because like one of the other things that i'm like i cannot believe it's been a week since we did the podcast last like it seems like it was forever ago and it that There's there's something going on where like there's this constant planting of seeds and I I think it's just because of like the the power of the initial event or how powerful it was for me and then to create such a contrast like my ask or my conversation with the universe seems like it's running at all times but it doesn't necessarily always take on the form of like synchronicities. But if that's not what I'm feeling, like if I'm not in a, in a mode of synchronicity, then I'm in a mode of like inquisitive nature. And I don't remember ever being in that state. I mean, even when I was little and you're being taught how to pray you would kind of aim it at somebody like, I hope grandma gets better because she's sick. Or I hope this person is, you know, you would do that thing where you ask the universe and you aim like a healing thought to somebody. 
but that's not what I'm doing now. And I'm doing something where I'm just, I have these open-ended questions like, how do I see, how do I understand? What does this mean for me? Like these big open-ended questions that I'm not trying to answer. And then as you move forward, like then you start to have like these snowball events where it's like, oh my, and that work almost like mathematics, like two plus two equals four and four plus four equals eight. And then you see like this, this big connection of things and understanding. And that's where I think like the synchronicities really start to kick in. It's like, it's almost like the sprouting of seeds that you've planted in yourself from keeping that open ended question dialogue running with the universe. Yeah, mathematics is a perfect example because that's what I've tried to describe as far as playing with the universe. It's set in stone. Like if you're if you're awakened and the judgments are gone and you're in the moment and you you're devoted, there's universe laws that are like mathematics. It is like two plus two or four plus four. You send something out and it comes back. There's different uh time frames as far as how things work and just as though you know you plant a japanese maple and a japanese maple takes 25 years like to get to fools that's why people pay like fifteen thousand for one that's eight feet tall because if you plant a japanese maple that's two feet tall it's going to take you 25 years to see the the best japanese maple you you've ever seen but you could plant something else that you know, could be within one season might, might be to its full potential, but seeds like with humans and what we put out, I mean, they do work that way because you don't, I mean, I've had stuff come back more than a year had gone by or stuff same day. So, but I'm, what I'm saying is that it is built in mathematics as far as what goes in and what comes out. There is, certain things that you can ask for, you know, synchronicities that you could play with the universe like now and, and, and get stuff back immediately. But then there's, and it could vary from individual to individual as far as like things you're overcoming and things you put out. And, um, but I think all of that is built in. It's what I've applied to my job for so many years. And, and so far it hasn't, it hasn't let me down yet, but knowing that secret is, it kind of puts you kind of puts you at an advantage because everyone, everyone who's not awakened is just playing an intellectual game of, well, how can I do this smarter than the other person and smarter we we have to have a vocabulary and we have to have somewhat of an education, but at a certain point it becomes counterproductive because to be so intellectually smart and not have any ability to understand the smarts of the universe, what's the point? You know, you, okay. You can, you can be, you know, the smartest person in the universe, but if you're, you're not awake and you don't understand what's going on as far as universe laws that 
on a scale that wouldn't make you very smart at all because it just would be momentary brains at that point. Um, yeah. Cause I don't feel like I'm even necessarily meaning to, when you, when you talk about like opening your heart to the universe and then you're, you, you have these open-ended questions, but you think it's maybe like in terms of the mechanics of it, in terms of understanding our own mechanical spirituality, is it just letting go of the intellect and being led by the heart? So instead of like processing your path forward with your intellect, now you're just kind of opening up with your heart and you're like, I don't really, I can't intellectualize this path forward anymore because it just got too bigger. It, it got too big for me to understand and I'm humbled and I know that. So now you kind of just point your heart in that direction and you're kind of just saying, um, okay, here I am. Is that, you, you were talking recently about some stuff resonating in your heart. Bingo. That gets a bingo. It leads right into mind's eye review because it does turn into like, like the heart, the main chakra. That's pretty much, that is the guiding, the guiding uh, force as far as spiritually minus the intellect. But then we did a lot of talking about on the last podcast with the mind's eye and how it all works. And a lot of that stuff, you know, when I became really conscious going to bed, there was a couple of times I, I didn't dream, but I started getting flooded with information about the mind's eye, just as though, you know, we were going to finish this conversation. And I woke up and wrote a whole page before I even, um, drink any coffee. I just had to get it out. But part of that, I mean, half the page was mind's eye review because you just, you just nailed it on the head. It's once that subsides and there is no intellectual thinking as far as will Kane or Luke or trying to solve or, or smart the brain, you know, outthink a question or once all that subsides from the heart, but it's coupled with the mind's eye. So the synchronistic events, I'm you, you get some type of flash that you're on the right direction coupled with the heart. So like I told you before, you know, whenever you throw a seed out and it comes back, I'm going to get an image of the original planting of the seed in my mind's eye briefly. That's going to send the resonation to the heart. So how does the mind's eye get to where you want it to be? We discussed in how, what meditation is and, and how we can sometimes get tripped up in meditation In meditation. The mind's eye is important, but it's not that important. Like it's not, it's not important enough to get tripped up over anything on the mind's eye during that. It's almost like training. Like you're in the training course of the mind's eye you're training the mind's eye not to get taken down into thought stream. You're training the mind's eye. You're strengthening the mind's eye so it's ready for the synchronistic events or or those images that come back. Um, just like I said, with I mean, the in-sync thing has a lot to do with the mind's eye as well. But not that much happens during meditation other than I do look at the back of my eyelids a lot and I do look in as though you're looking into space 
and it is extremely difficult to just hold a picture of your mind's eye. And like you said, I, I've been there where you're hung up like, oh, am I doing this right? Or am I, you know, should I be able to hold the mind's eye or see the mind's eye or keep it in one spot? And all that is coming back to me is just all these years and just meditation in general. The meditation is, is the training. It's, it's like going to the gym for your muscles. All the events happen around you you know, throughout your day or whatnot. And I'm not saying you can't have some magical experience when you meditate, because I've had some pretty profound moments, but I'm saying the, the meditation isn't like made for, I'm going to go sit down and in my mind's eye, I'm going to see magic for 30 minutes. It's not, and it's, it's very difficult to do that. Um, but yeah, just being able to stand back from those black clouds that want to take your mind's eye and take that attention. And then it's kind of, I don't know what exactly what it does to it, but it weakens your ability for it to be strong. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have things that are resonating in two places now. So you could be, like trying to lead yourself through your intellect. What you're saying is the mind's eye is providing resignation into your heart, like remembering the seed that you planted originally. So, you know, you get the, you get the reassertion, like a very intimate synchronistic event that like, this is the right path. And just to talk about the negative, because I think it'll help explain um, one thing I noticed this, this week that I've never noticed before is, um, I saw the recap. I've had it happen like three times after I notice it, you realize like, Oh my God, this happens all the time. But the recap of that UFC fight. And then there was another show I was watching that had like a couple violent points. And then I, I got another affirmation of it another show with another violent point. But if there's like a UFC leg break or something like that, something awful that you're watching live. So here you are, you have the screen in front of you. That's giving you all your intake of, I mean, you're invested in what you're watching. If that leg breaks and you see it, it causes the reaction in the root. It's a complete contraction of the root. Like underneath, like a Kegel, it all tightens up there. And sometimes like you can't even sit still. You have to like cringe with it. Like, oh, but it's coming from down there. And as soon as I realized that, I'm like, oh, yeah, it. I know like you can go back. Yes, there's, but that's like an input place. So there's three inputs, mind, body, and spirit inputs. And you have to be constantly aware of them. And the only reason I mentioned that one is because it's one that's very, very tangible. Like when it hits you, you will know it. But just realize like you're taking in. So that would be body root sensation that then's going to be judged by your intellect and your heart. And it's it's um, 
as soon as I figured that out, I was like, oh, so th- these are the big input places that you have to have the awareness of. And obviously, in terms of moving forward and have and your your path of your spiritual progress, you want to be led by the heart. You want to be led by the spirit. But um, I don't know why it took me so long to figure out that the root reacts in that way when when you're showed certain things. I mean, no, I just realized that. I mean, I I, I felt the sensation sensation when you when you said that. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. And then the solar plexus is, um, like I was talking to you about, um, I can feel when energy goes into the solar plexus and then that sends the, um, signal to your heart that either fight or flight or nerves, or, I mean, nerves, not, I mean, your heart starts pumping fast, almost like a fight or flight. So nerves really come from that. I guess there's milder versions of fight or flight and, it's going to send a signal to your heart as far as the danger level, but you can feel that right, right below your left rib cage. Um, pay attention to it. I mean, I've, I've felt it before. So that's strange. The physical body that at the root and then that, and then the mind's eye and just finishing up with the mind's eye too. I wanted to talk about that Ferris wheel because the Ferris wheel is important and that's where the meditation work comes in. The meditation, if you're, if you've worked through all that stuff and you meditate and you're just present for 30 minutes, you know, and you're staring at the back of your eyelids or, you know, or as though you're looking out into the space and you're perfectly content and perfectly present, that's so enough for the training that you need to do. But the Ferris wheel of pain that I described is it works in the other direction too. So if you've had all these things happen to you bad in your life, you're never going to be able to discern what's coming through in the mind's eye with synchronistic events or seeds because you have too much inner work to do. If you have 40 events that have happened in your life down to even the most minute thing, like someone cut you off in traffic and you, you, you got angry at that person and you never let it go. I mean, there's small stuff like that. So on that Ferris wheel of pain that goes around, those work in the mind's eye as well. So you have to do the inner work. That's what the meditation's for. So if you don't work out all those things in the mind's eye to where that's the answer I got, that's the answer I got. The meditation in the mind's eye. The mind's eye is for not necessarily being a master at being able to go in and see all this stuff in the mind's eye so clearly. I can go here. I can go there. It's for fixing the mind's eye to be ready for the present moment. Because if you have all this garbage from the past and you haven't done in your inner work, that, that wheel just keeps going round and round. You're always going to see the the place or person or whatever you haven't dealt with correctly it's going to keep coming back round and round in the mind's eye and it's showing its ugly face again until you learn what forgiveness is or you learn how to let go until you do that so the inner work of mastering the mind's eye 
is that the mind's eye is free. The mind's eye has to be free, just like everything else. You can't have a you can't have a corrupt mind's eye and experience the full synchronicities of the universe mind's eye because it's all coupled together. We just screw it up like craziness, but we were born in a terrible place. So as far as, you know, screwing up a mind's eye goes, it's, it's not the best of places to, to be born at, but it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's just, I was just shown to me like the mind's eye is, Hey, it's there. You clean it up. You do the inner work. And besides that, it's enough. Once you're at a certain point, it's enough to meditate and the truck going down. It's, it's enough to keep yourself there for those synchronistic events. Cause it's like you said, when you said you have respect for your consciousness, it's not that you wanted to let go of this or that. You just have so much respect for it. It's about having right. respect for the mind's eye because you're going to get let go of all the confusion because if it's free and if it's clear and any any spots or images that you get in synchronistic it's it's working in magic momentum with the universe and it's not messed up by any garbage from the past yeah and that yeah that's very well said and that each each time like I feel like I'm making like some good progression and I feel like I've laid like this path out in front of me and I feel like I know what I'm doing and I know where I'm going. I take like two or three steps and then I realize like nothing is what I thought. I mean, and that just continues to happen. So there's almost just like a like a humbling place that I'm stuck in now, but I'm I don't have any. I don't have any desire to get out of it. It It's just this, I, I like, for example, when we first got to Gene Hart, I mean, my attraction to him originally was, oh, this guy's going to go pretty deep into astral p- projection. I, I had looked into it before, but I had always considered it like a psychedelic experience. Like I didn't realize there was like this spiritual component to it. And so he obviously goes into, you know, an amazing amount of depth into what this all is, but he's so detailed and, and he's, and he's so much involved in, in everybody's spiritual progression that wants to walk this path. I mean, you don't just jump from point A to astral projection. I mean, he lays all the groundwork out for you. And so I start doing the groundwork, you know, you know it's like if I was building a house, you know, like you start, preparing the foundation and from his advice, just setting up a couple of things, a few uh, different devoted type things to, to be ready for your sleepy time, to be aware when you wake up, to be more mindful about remembering, to try to maintain the conscious through the evening. Like there's all these processes and stuff that we could talk about that would take forever, but there's a lot there is my point. And then like, as soon as you start, you realize like, Oh my gosh, like where I'm trying to build my house, there's like an Indian burial ground here. It's just like what you're saying, like the Ferris wheel. And 
I, there's there keep there there was many people that I respect and had and that had gotten my trust, and they keep saying many egos, and that was so hard for me to grasp, like many because I just feel like it was the one. But I think I'm getting it now. I think it's if you examine closely, like your relationship with greed, like you and I, I think are pretty close on this one in terms of what it is like we can't necessarily separate ourselves from the security that that money provides we both have families we both obviously have worked hard that that financial freedom provides a certain amount of security but that security doesn't exist not with money but and so it creates this whole persona and I mean, I've done financial planning. I've done re- retirement planning. I mean, I'm not saying that you can avoid that responsibility of form. I'm saying to engage with that responsibility of form does create an entity. And that entity is different than your relationship with wrath. And my relationship with wrath now is very, very different than it was. I mean, when I was younger, my relationship with wrath could have been unpredictable and a little bit crazy. And I'm ready to throw down. Now my relationship with wrath is, well, I've seen 27 school shootings, so I've made a plan in my head just in case because I've watched the news too much. So if I find myself in Walmart and something goes down, I've already created that entity and he will go into into motion. And that entity is different than the lustful entity. And that entity is different than the envious entity. And then they all have multiple variations of themselves. And so inside of you is just these different versions of yourself that are basically fighting to take the top spot. That's why my anger one was so intense because something got to the top and it was so out of balance that it woke the inner part of me up. And I, I understood it on some level as entity through my conversation with you and through things that happened that day. I understood it as that, as that legion. It wasn't one. It was many. It was all three. It was all three. And it reminds, like when Jesus, Jesus said legion one time in an exorcism, that wasn't, I don't think, called an exorcism. But he called out a demon in a person, called him legion. The demon exorcised entered a, a pig in the area, which entered, I don't know what you call them, maybe a herd of pigs, but a bunch of pigs in that area. And then all those pigs started going crazy. And then all those pigs ran off a cliff. But I think that's what happened to me. It was just it stirred enough up that there was enough demons all died at the same time that it gave me room to breathe. But as I'm living my responsibility in form, I'm having these sensations of still realizing when they came up. I just found one the other day. Russell Brand. I love Russell Brand. I love listening to him on YouTube. 
Um, he does lots of current event stuff, but it was like 11 minutes and he just went off on Fauci, went off on like vaccine stuff. And I'm just listening and I'm like high-fiving and I'm like, oh, this person needs to hear this. I need to send, I, I can't wait to tell this person that. And I'm just, was all into it. But now that's when, the, when something comes to the top. So when something has taken my identity like that, like that's how you get it. Now I know, now I got your ass. That's how you get it. And, but the problem is when you're like, you're on the road to astral projection and you start to look in your dreams and, and you want to look into the subconscious like we were just talking about last week in terms of descending into hell. But just like the kingdom of heaven is in me, the pit of hell is in me too. If I look in there, it's just filled with psychopaths and demons. Because just like what you said, this is a bad place to be born for the mind's eye. And then you can you can take your whole life and you have events, obviously, and your interactions with people that have created stuff and your reactions to that. But think about just like the emotional TV we've watched in our lifetime. Like, so somebody murdered somebody and it was in a script and it made sense. And you identified with that person because... They did the right thing, even though there was a murder just happened afterwards. You created an identity there. And now it's inside you. I mean, I remember in The Walking Dead, they killed two kids. And I remember watching that and saying to myself, like, that's damn good writing because you guys just killed two kids. And I agree with it. Like, that's what needed to happen right there. I, that, that was my that was my view back then. Like I saw clearly, like you just say, it's good writing. It was the whole point of the script. You were supposed to identify with the fact that they killed two kids. But look at what the Matrix is doing to us. It's just filling our entire system with more and more entities that, and so I think we're filled with more entities now than mankind's ever been filled with before. We are more legion now than we ever have been. But there's there's a positive side to that. There's a way to look at that in terms of an opportunity because every time you get one, you put them on the fire. And there's your spiritual fuel. You're feeding on your own awareness. And the more that you can catch one and you can dissolve it, I think that's I think that's in the stomach. I think that's in the root. I think that's where the fuel for the fire comes from. Yeah, I'm not sure how I can follow that, but <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, I mean, everything you just said resonated pretty hard with, and a lot that was popping up too is when a lot is mastering mastering that because like you said nothing ever i never close my eyes and don't see dark clouds very maybe i get to a point in meditation where they are just not i'm just i've 
gotten to a point where in that space in the mind's eye, you know, right below the crown, I get through where there's so much light and I get to a meditative state where they pretty much can't enter anymore. But they're, you could see they're, they're like bashing. They're still, they, they can't come across my screen, but I can see them in my uh, peripheral that as soon as that light dims down just a little, they're doing like this. Like, like they can't come in, but as soon as I, my light dims just a little because, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump back into the game of life, they're going to do this. <laughs> they're just going to go, like, keep doing this. But I get in that meditative state, and you can see them bounce around, and they, and they can't. It's almost like that negative magnetic force. Like, they can't do it, but as soon as they can, it'll just come across the screen again. And that never stops, but I think mastering that and being in that meditative state all the time is, is our biggest, is our biggest weapon. Obviously that's why devotion to meditation is so hugely important. The first spiritual teacher I ever had was, um, you know, what I learned is you, you can't really, you, you have to, you have to be devoted to continually fighting that battle and, and fighting that battle is, is letting everything down and, and seeing things objectively and, and, and not letting them take your attention. And as soon as you did, then the identity identity starts, but yeah, that was a, that was pretty good. Yeah. And I don't think we realize like as we're doing something, you know, as mundane as like watching a TV show. And I mean, I, I've been watching all this because like the reintroduction to TV has kind of taught me, like I'll sit down and you watch something and there'll be like, I, there's, I can't really watch the same stuff that I used to, but then also there's times where like, I kind of force myself just to, like, why not? Why can't I watch the same stuff that I used to? And then, like, you go through it, and it's like, oh, root reaction, emotional reaction, and then, which is negative, and then it creates thought reaction, which turns into identity, and then it's, like, born before you can stop it. And then there's a whole nother entity there now. And you can also see it you can see it in other people. Like I didn't, I didn't realize this before either. Like that's one thing that's coming clear to me now too. If, and it's all just understanding the ego being many, but if you pay attention to people, they're different people all the time. The same person is a different person all the time. Some are more consistent than others, but even the ones that are consistent, if you pay attention and it, and it can be subtle, they're different people all the time. And then watch what happens when you watch an emotional stream on TV. Watch what happens to the people in your house. Like it changes them. The emotions change them and they're a different person than they were when they started. And it's and sometimes, depending on how intense the imagery is, 
I mean, sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's not subtle at all. Sometimes it's very, very easy to see. But then the whole real realization of it just makes me super excited because there's like this never ending supply of spiritual fuel and our quest to like descend into heaven doesn't even have to be like this this big narrative i mean that is the meditative quest is going in and realizing all of these entities that you've created over this amount of time i mean it, it's almost like it is legion because it's almost like you can't even think of a scenario that it hasn't demonstrated for you i mean i just used the example of killing two kids i mean if you go back and you think about like every scenario that the matrix has tried to like get an emotional reaction out of you. It's been freaking anything you could imagine. I mean, you want to do sex. I mean, what about if I was really powerful? Okay. What about if I had no power at all? And then everything in between, I mean, they just explore the entire gambit and they just show you every single version that you could identify with. You would have never been able to come up with that much mind's eye stuff on your own. The matrix is doing all that. And then you're dealing with people who the night before were just influenced with the matrix. So they're still riding in some direction that the system thrown them in. <clears throat> it's It's remarkable when you... come to that realization that's why the awakened state you do get back so much because when just in dealing with people um, my interactions with people on a daily basis when i go out and see customers i mean i know it's uh know it's going to be a doozy <laughs> usually all the time it's uh and you know the crazy thing is is we wonder where depression and anxiety comes from yeah, we wonder yeah. because just with the mind's eye going going back to that when you if you have a mind's eye that you've never cleaned up, then that that means separation, right? Because we are all meant to be joined into universal truth. That is what the the cornerstone of being awake is. That you don't have to have all these burdens in your head no will is is everything nothing is something so the depression and anxiety thing is so crystal clear to me that that separation and the thoughts that keep coming up in your head just think i mean if you if you could not get rid of those if you could not get rid of those and just say you don't have the knowledge that's torture so what do you do when you have torture in your when you have a cycle in your head that's torture? Well, you 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 get depressed. Like I can't I can't fix myself. Or you get anxiety from separation. Separation from what? Separation from you 
trying to play God your whole life and not realizing that you're doing it. You trying to fix all your problems in your head. You trying to be some kind of problem solver with, with, with everything that you're talking about. And you, and, and man, talk about a bunch of depression and anxiety. And then I know we've talked about it before, but if you go to a doctor, there's so many doctors that are asleep nowadays. I mean, you talk about you have a Ferris wheel of pain and you're going to take a pill to drum that down so you can feel better. It's called living longer, wronger. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, um, but it does uh, feel good. So to each his own, no judgment for sure. But the knowledge of having being able to see that clearly and unravel that is such a beautiful thing. So, and, and, and awakened actually feels like you're on drugs that, especially that first couple of weeks for you. I know you had to think that you're like, took some ecstasy or something. <laughs> yeah. Because it does have that, that odd state of, of feeling like euphoric or, or whatnot. But yeah, I think if, if you on to what you were saying in terms of like depression and anxiety and I'll throw in their anger because that's the one that I ended up being the most familiar with. I think when you, when I look back on it and you look real closely, it was, you know, a multiple day process. And then I think like that process ended up going back. I mean, maybe even a couple of years. And then something started anger. I mean, there's so much turmoil and stuff going on in the world. I mean, who knows what was the catalyst, but my point is like, as soon as you give a certain amount of identity to something like anger or depression or anxiety, like you've created the path for like all those other entities that are similar and some may be more intense, some may be less intense, but now like you've created a rut and to shift out of that rut for the ultimate dominant identity. Like you, you've created like the dominant strain. So now that dominant strain is anger. Like it might shift around a little bit, but now that anger knows it has that dominant rut that it can, it can manifest in your ultimate identity. And that's when you're in trouble because now you've, you've directed the entire identity based on a negative emotion and anger is one of them. Anxiety would be one of them. Depression would be an, another one of them. I mean, there's, and I think they would all work basically the same way. And it's just to remember, like, but I can remember if you go back, like, so I just went back like two years. If I go back like 10 years, like I wasn't angry back then. I was dealing with some other set of identities that wasn't anger. And then if you go back, um, so we're always like these new people, these new identities. And then but we, when we've got to be careful when we find ourselves consistently in that negative and then 
if we can't become aware of it, it's just going to be the catalyst for more suffering because all you've done then is you've shown, you've shown the door to all the angry demons. And now they're just going to fight to take over the identity. That's why mine progressively got so bad so quick is that door must have just been wide open. And then next thing I know, there's some like completely unrecognizable. They deserve it. You know, they do it in there. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? So, yeah, you know, uh, just based on the story last week about the person that's uh, schizophrenic. Just curious on, I mean, obviously I know schizophrenia is a label of some sort. And when I look at this person or I see what's going on, I see spiritual warfare. So when I see spiritual warfare, I see attention. So when I see attention, I see like ownership. So I see ownership. I So I throw schizophrenia out the window. So I see ownership because there is no freedom there, right? You think I'm looking at it the right way? or you? Because, I, I mean, the only reason I say that is because I've seen someone normal to schizophrenia. And I'm not saying, and I don't think, I don't even think it's possible for someone to be born schizophrenic. So it is an acquired disease from what we know. I don't think a baby is schizophrenic, but I see spiritual warfare. I'm dealing with something right now that that's all I see. I see owner. I see to the degree it's ownership. The entity has ownership. Yeah. It reminds me of like our teal swan conversation when you're going to like suicide <clears throat> and there's so many people that want to, <clears throat> talk about like how suicide should be handled properly and it's like wait a second the people who handle suicide properly aren't really necessarily doing a good job the same thing with schizophrenia i mean there's other cultures where they look at it as more of a spiritual problem than they do a mental or physical problem so i think it's just a different way of looking at it and in terms of who's looking at it more correctly I mean, the ones that are supposedly looking at it correctly in terms of um, Western medicine, I mean, they're not necessarily doing a really good job. So you might as well have some spiritual brainstorming about what the process is there. So started off the show synchronicities and that led into really I've this week has been kind of transformative for me as far as devotion and what the next level looks like. And uh, I mean, it was partly you and I think part of it was Gene Hart. And um, I think he said at one time, if there's something that is getting in the way, then you know let it go so it started started on a journey of of this 39 days which we started on sunday that's going to go to october 19th which is basically no alcohol which we pretty much were doing that 
no sex, no ejaculation for 39 days. And, and what, just over the last, I I can tell you this, and I know it's kind of personal topics to talk about and gets pretty intimate as far as details, but what it's done for me this first five days already, I mean, I don't even, uh, I don't even think I've been aroused by anything. It's the most bizarre thing because entering it, you have like kind of arousal almost throughout the whole day with, with, with anything of imagery or whatever. But my objective nature, once I made that decision, it was kind of like making decisions and other things in your life. And I, it's put me in this, uh, another level, another level. And, and it's, it's actually with, with my wife, I mean, it was a good conversation and she thought that maybe she'll discover some things about herself over this time period as well. So she's all in on the, on the trial, which is, you know, it's, it's not something that we're going away from saying we think this situation is bad. It's merely for spiritual growth and um, seeing it where, it, where it takes you kind of not being held down by, by anything. And it also, the same week started off probably about a week ago to where I'm like, usually try to at least lay in the bed by 10. So maybe fall asleep by 11. So now my process is I start clearing my mind at nine. So that, that has been a game changer as far as, I mean, I came into the podcast with three pages and two lucid dreams since the last podcast. So the mind's eye clarification was, you know, the first or second night. Um, I really feel like I had a lot of confirmation on, on a lot of the questions that didn't necessarily come to us on the last podcast. And then with the Gene Hart work, um, two lucid dreams, two meaningful lucid dreams. And this was all since the last podcast, all since the new devotion and this week, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. Like I'm not even, I'm not even in like, I'm not even in, but ankle deep right now. I mean, I I'm maybe you're a little bit ahead of me, but just really feel good about and the synchronicities once after Wednesday, those really kicked in as well. So the synchronicity synchronicities are going when I, they're in full force. So everything is being amplified and multiplied. I know you you possibly might be a little bit ahead of me, you said, but I mean, is it doing the same thing for you? I know we've talked about it. I know you're, you're, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm like four days ahead of you. Um, cause we were basically timing it with the moon cycle and I went into this full moon with a couple of days, uh, restricting myself and uh, but we both kind of decided that we want to try to find go through an entire moon cycle <clears throat> just for in terms of experimentation i mean that's kind of the whole point with like the devotion or gene Hart. i mean you can hear about it you can learn about it but i mean you have to kind of experience the spiritual journey and the whole point and I don't think you know or I know. It's not the point of like what we know. So it is kind of like this exper- experiment. And there's this 
road laid out in front of us that is not the same road that we've always taken. And like, well, what could be gained by going down that road and listening to like some of the spiritual teachers that we trust it's, and it's not making any ethical conclusions about sex or sexuality. It's just a matter of is sexuality a release of energy? And if it is, what happens if you don't release that energy? And according to some of the spiritual teachers that we're listening to, it just makes it easier for you to maintain your consciousness through the sleeping hours. So whether that's lucidity or astral projection, it gives you more energy to work in those times. Um, how am I reacting to it this time? Are you saying like I've, I've been dabbling with it a little bit. So I think this is like my third try, but this is definitely we're on the path to go longer than I've gone before. I think eight days was my longest before. Yeah. For me, it's not, it's not even like the act of no sex or it's something. It's some act of devotion. That's just turning my spirituality on like the synchronicities. That's just, um, maybe I had some negative energy there that I've, you know, just like Gene Hart said, like there's, if there's something or anything getting in the way, you know, cut it off so you can experience the growth. And I feel like there were some things that were, um, possibly not healthy that well, I, it's hard to even say, cause I, I mean, I don't think it's not healthy to, to have a sexual relationship, but I'm saying the the devotion has done something to me to where the, the level of spirituality and level of path and level of synch synchronicity synchronizing going on is like times 10 right now. And it's been doing that for like a week uh, straight, just with the, um, and, and a lot of it has to do with the nighttime decision too, to plug in early and, and be conscious when you're going to sleep, which kind of leads me into, I did want to talk about getting into these dreams. I had two lucid dreams based on this new in enlightened higher path that um just bring the consciousness to one thing that's coming to me too like gene hart talked about is a lot of people you get tired you watch a couple hours of tv from eight to ten and and you just get to where you're sitting in front of the tv and you're like oh, i can't keep my eyes open so what do you do you go into the bed and you like crash even if you haven't even had anything to drink or whatever a lot of people either eat you know like you said, a bowl of ice cream or a lot of sugar. And then, and then they go crash. Like your time to go to sleep is like my consciousness, everything. I'm just done. Start, just go out, you know, and that I I've changed that pattern. Um, kind of following what, what you were doing to where I set up at least an hour and we have a TV in our room and I, I don't, I don't turn that TV on my pro and and you you think these are these are little things but they're huge in in terms of spirituality if you want to experience the lucidity of dreams and and what we're talking about and and taking it maybe one step further it's huge because there there was a pattern of me saying going to back 
bed at 10 o'clock and then you turn the TV on in the room and maybe watch something on Netflix for an hour and then fall asleep and go to bed. So that whole process has changed. The TV doesn't even go on when I go up an hour early. I never turn the TV on in the bedroom anymore. So I, I literally, my process now is, and it's something I look forward even to when it gets around eight, eight thirty. I'm like, okay, I'm about to have some me time. I'm about to go lay down and, and make my hand go on fire from all my presence and just sit there for an hour and meditate and, um, try to grasp the idea of consciously falling asleep. So me at my infancy stage in this, I had two lucid dreams, one of which um, was a dream with a realtor. And I don't remember the house that I bought, but I, and I never saw the house. I first signed a letter of agreement for, I knew the house was 850,000 and I knew I was buying it unseen. So definitely buying a house unseen has, has a lot of meaning. Um, and then after that, uh, we had the meeting where I was actually face to face with a realtor in his kitchen. So I signed an actual contract, um, with him. And as he's talking to me across the table, he gets up in his kitchen and goes and turns the dishwasher on. The dishwasher door was actually down and he walks over. Meanwhile, you know, talk about full circle and all the synchronicities. Like there's obviously a few things to up the game and devote and clean house on, on some things that may be holding you up to go into that next level. He goes and shuts the door and starts the dishwasher and my consciousness in that dream was so lucid that I was sitting at the table and I, th- I thought it might be a little rude <laughs> because we're sitting here doing paperwork and he just turned on a noisy dishwasher. I thought, well, that is maybe not the most professional things to do. Uh, but I was like, oh, to each his own. I mean, I'm in this guy's house. I'm signing a contract. If he wants to wash his dishes now, <laughs> then he can wash his dishes. Um, and so I signed the contract, the actual contract after the letter of intent and signed a contract for a house. that was $850, 850,000, which is very expensive house. Um, and I had never seen it before. And that's how the dream ended. And you kind of showed me some meaning to that. I will get into my second dream in a minute, but that, that was the first one. Yeah, and just a big part of the um, new process. I mean, just seeking out information all the time. So when you start, when you realize like you're going to be putting this much effort into your dreams and then, um, well, I'm writing all these dreams down and then, well, is there effort we can put in the interpretation of the dreams and um, found some more spiritual sided dream analysis and most of what I had for years there was um, anybody that's like 
taking on a role. So like a realtor or a bus driver or, you know, a judge or like anybody that's like taking on like a real specific role like that has to be suspect for being um, a spiritual guide. So it seemed to me like you were sitting down with your spiritual guide and you were coming to an agreement where you were like very willfully like coming to this agreement. But then with the dishwasher thing, that was, I thought that was really interesting because um, he seemed to be, originally you were saying like it was a distraction and that was definitely kind of right. But he was saying like, you're going to be cleaning some stuff. You're going to be like doing some work. You're going to be cleaning. And yes, it's a distraction, but you're still going to be moving forward with your progress. There's just seemed to be like a lot of, um, a lot having to do with like what we were just talking about in terms of trying to really analyze sexual transmutation. And it looked like you were getting um, <laughs> some confirmation in your dreams that you were going in the right direction. Right. After you said the dishwasher thing, I mean, that makes a hundred percent, sense because especially with the man i mean you you can you can have an awakening like you did and and to the degree of which you which you push forward to see how far the rabbit hole goes is is kind of up to you in the case of when you joined you know five months ago and had your own spiritual awakening and and put your own spin on you know, how far this rabbit hole can go in uncovering stones. I mean, it really has inspired me to delve into, okay, you, you had an awakening Luke and you have a ton of an understanding. You have a ton of wisdom. You have a ton of knowledge in this whole segment, but have you really delved down with this kind of devotion from stupid stuff like, not watching TV an hour before you go to bed. I know it sounds trivial, but I'm saying stuff like that. Like that's what I'm talking about. Uncovering every stone. No, I haven't delved into lucid dream. No, I haven't put my intent of where does that go? No, no, I haven't. So adding all those pieces together and, and the dishwasher makes a hundred percent sense because you know, you could you could say uh, I was 80% in on a lot of stuff, but needed about 20% cleanup on, on a lot of other stuff. So it was very symbolic that it was like, okay, you just finish cleaning the rest of your dishes on this. And, and as that's the kind of thing that ties into the mind's eye. When, when I get to the end of this 39 days and I am even more knowledgeable or have more wisdom or this image of that kitchen is going to come back to me blaringly and hit me full circle at one of the most amazing synchronistic events during some song that comes on that it's going to be October 19th and it's going to hit me like a wave, but that's what, that's the path. That's the yellow brick road that we, you constantly go on. Like the synchronicities get, I already know it's coming at this point. Um, But that's, that's the work of the mind's eye. Like I got the moment that I had, I got the meaning. It's pretty obvious. And then now it's just on my end, the devotion part 
but the devotion part on this cycle has been super easy. Like I can tell you, dude, I have not even, I know this is pretty intimate details, but I haven't even been aroused since we started. It's the most weirdest thing. It's like once I made the decision to go down this path and it's just, it's just a blatant path right there that I'm dedicated and devoted to, to see where it takes. And like you said, not, not that anything that, we've ever done you think of just morally bad or anything like that it's just for the mere fact of where is this going to get me spiritually on this path what is this 39 days going to do do for me what am i going to learn what stone am i going to uncover you know what what lucid dream am i going to have from my devotion am i going to learn how to astral project you know all that stuff is like super exciting as though i'm a five-year-old on a sandy beach right now right Yeah, Osho is really good with the sexual stuff. Um, I mean, in terms of just like blurting a lot of stuff out there. <clears throat> I mean, basically, he never wanted anybody to repress anything sexually. And at the same time, he let people know that your spiritual progression at some point leaves sexuality behind. So he he said both things. And if, right. if you look, if you look at it, I mean, you can kind of, I mean, when you sex is like one of the, it's, it's a very, very monumental discovery for every human. So yeah, it is intimate, but it's, there's, there's, everybody goes through it. And especially for like you and I institutionally, meaning from the church, I mean, they don't want you to do it. I mean, that the goal is abstinence and there's lots of reasons for that. Um, but I mean, that's what they're that's what they're preaching. That's what they're telling you, like, don't do it. So that that's your whole. And even if you go back to like family and stuff like nobody's comfortable with the introduction of sex. I mean, I, at this point now, I'm the father with my kids developing their sexuality like it. There's nothing comfortable about the development of sexuality for any of the parties involved. But the problem is like, and when I relate myself back to being young, you have so much indoctrination of like, don't do this, or um, this has to be done very specifically or very correctly or with the right devotion and through marriage and all that stuff. The problem is one day you have sex. There's the first betrayal, the betrayal of what? Like they were lying to you the entire time. They were lying to you the entire time. How could you put any kind of negative spin on that circumstance? It's the same thing with like a lot of the drugs and stuff like drugs are bad. You can't do drugs. And then like the first time you get high, you're like, what are you talking about? That's like the second betrayal. So there's these early betrayals where your first sexual experience is just such an overload and it doesn't match what everybody was telling you. Like the world was lying to you and then you have that ex experience and it, it's just overwhelming. And now you're stuck chasing that experience for the rest of your life. 
and I mean, scientifically, there's just as much dopamine in in sexual intercourse than there is heroin. Just as much dopamine in the brain. So you you just start that chain reaction, and it's so natural, and it it I mean it, it basically becomes like food and like breathing, and you don't even really think about it, and then you put yourself on a schedule, and then that schedule lasts five years, and then that schedule lasts you know thirty five years, and then you never it dawns on you that there there could be like energy manufacturing never dawned on me for sure that there could be some kind of energy manufacturing that you're not even aware of because you're always releasing it. So it's, it's not like an ethical judgment on sexuality. It's just looking at it from a different point of view that maybe there's more energy retention if you treat it with more spiritual respect. Yeah, very well said. That was um, sp- spot on. Um, yeah, it's like a chase at that point. Very good. But I mean, that's that's the road of we don't know. And I think both of you and I, I mean, where we are in our progression now, if we find a road that we don't know, we're going down that road. Yeah, and just for just for the short time, I mean, I can speak of just the level of excitement spiritually is there, the level of devotion to whatever it is. I mean, it's it's positive. It's positive for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you with the no arousal. Like it's, it, but it seems like it's this time. I don't. Um, it hasn't worked like this. Like I think it's like my third. Uh, dabbling with it but yeah it hasn't there's been like nothing there in terms of arousal but it's it's almost like equivalent whatever used to be there in terms of that like it seems like it's focused off in another direction so it does seem like it's using whatever that energy or attention was given to that seems just like it got slid over into like a higher dimension and now it's just pointed at more spiritually significant things yes because even image like image for a man imagery in the head or none of that is none of that is even there as any kind of temptation like it's not there it's not there um it's not I don't know how to explain it other than it's not there. And once I made that decision on that day, it just hasn't been there. And I, I don't know. Uh, it's just, I think, I think it's a level of, I think it's a level of devotion when I, and uh, what's the word? Commitment or it's almost like my, consciousness or whatever it is that that you know causes like imagery to enter the brain it knows the level of concentration i guess is is maybe a good word or how i'm struggling here for the correct word but it's it's not it's not an option and whatever it is knows that right now 
whatever it is, just not an option. And it, it doesn't even really, things don't even enter my brain or, or so, yeah, it's been, it's been eye opening, uh, this experiment for sure. And I'm, I'm excited to see where the road leads, which leads me. Yeah. Cause it, that I, I feel like it, maybe it's just like the three days extra or the four days extra, but like, so last night there definitely was a temptress in my dreams. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, and, saying, um, I'm not, not yet. And I don't want to put out that. I don't think that this may not be coming, but <laughs> the, right. the, the, I'm this just first saying, four days or however long it's been. The conscious mind is very cooperative on something like that, but that's why and it's so important to work in the subconscious realm as well, because that's where all the tests are going to come from. Yeah. And, um, I keep having this yep. same sensation where I'm split into three people in, in these dreams. Um, but we were all just a, around the temptation and like none of us were acting on it. We're all just kind of looking at each other. So it, it did, it wasn't even successful in, in that realm either, but you can see for me, it's almost like um, e even another layer of validation that you're on the right path because it does seem to be creating or trying to create identities, just like I was talking about before with Russell Brand. Like anytime you're bringing like those identities to the surface, or you can spot them, now it's like you're on their trail. And so I think in the subconscious, and I mean, you gotta. If what we were saying, or what I was saying before about the Matrix, like one of like one of our favorite shows is Ozarks. But that is one hell of an emotionally charged show. Yeah. Like super emotionally charged, like super violent, like all in the reference of like protecting your family and like any kind of like emotional roller coaster hypothetical, like that show is going to present and it's going to leave you with are you okay with this or are you not? Did they make the right decision or did they make the wrong decision? But you're going to find yourself like identifying with some pretty messed up stuff. And then what is the manifestation there? And if the manifestation is entity, now what happens when you take that same theory and you run it all the way back to your entire sexual history to the beginning? Because those manifestations are even more intense because you literally, you're bringing huge amount of energy. It actually goes something to the, along the lines of nuclear on you. But what are those man manifestations like all the way back to the beginning? And, and, and if that, if we see now that there's this other path where, there's maybe a, like more spiritual respect you can apply to that situation. What does that mean for the history of the situation before? And the point being like, there could be like a 
legion, like just in that specific realm. Like the first, the first layer of hell in Dante's Inferno is the lustful. So it's not very deep in hell. It's actually the one right before you get out of hell is the land of the lustful. So there could be, there, there. I mean, if you just think back, I mean, how much sex was there? Well, there was quite a bit. What, what were all those manifestations, and what was all that that we created an entity? There could be a lot to work through. But again, that's not a pessimistic thought because awareness of entity, I think, is the key for spiritual fuel. Yeah, and it could be as easy as awareness of entity that uh, that annihilates it. I mean, yes. I, I feel pretty pretty untouched by any entity that I may have ever created uh, in that realm, just basing it over the last five days. I mean, once that realization or that discovery or that um, decision is made in that you turn the light on in that arena, it's like roaches again. They all go scurrying. Really have like lasting, lasting power once you make that decision of devotion and and then apply everything you've learned spiritually. Um, but it really, for me, I mean, it's supposed to be no effort, but it really has been no effort. Uh, there hasn't been, and when I say that, there hasn't even been a moment for me to apply no effort. Like something come in my head and I look at it objectively or something that may cause an arousal and look at, I feel like there's nothing that's even crossed my path. Uh, right. But it, it's the, it's the beginning. And, but I feel, I feel really good about <clears throat> this road and furthering the, the spiritual journey for sure. I do want to talk about my second lucid dream. This. Oh yeah. Um, for anyone that doesn't know me, I am a sucker for murderers. <laughs> no, I love documentaries uh, about uh, killers, the mind. <laughs> that sounded really bad. Uh, Ted Bundy documentaries, dissecting the brain. Um, how you can get to, I mean, that's a spiritual journey in itself, how a person can get to the point of uh, beast, even like Ted Bundy, you know, he, even in times where he wasn't murdering, like he was basically, he embodied the beast. And then when the beast came out, I mean, the beast came out, there were some very horrific and just awful murders that, that he took place in. So I love those kind of shows and um, crime shows, just figuring out those momentary moments that the entity took over. And like the last podcast, we just in Gene Hart right there in a perfect synchronized matrimony talked about murder in the same way that we did. And it's the 95% of those murders are like momentary blackouts or takeovers of that beast like entity or that thought that you know you identify identify with and you actually carry out the physical nature of it 95 percent of murders so one of the new or well, it's not new but there's a 
documentary on Netflix called I'm a Killer. And they interview people from jail cells about the murder they committed. So obviously most of them have been sitting in jail for 20 or 30 years. So when they talk about the murder, they talk about it in the aspect of the entity because most of them have had time to wake up or, you know, some of them find God or whatever it may be. Um, but they're all the same story. They're all the same. It's all the same story. It's a momentary loss of, of, of yourself that you identify with the thought that tells you to do something bad and they end up doing it. Like the thought that says that you just go grab that gun and kill them. They, it's actually that simple as I believe that thought they identify with the thought as though it's themselves. When you hear the thought that says, I'm sure you've been driving down the road and you know, like I'm going to run over that mailbox, but that's a thought that's telling you to do something crazy, but you just look at it and like, well, that's, that's bizarre. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to run over that mailbox today, but I'm saying when you apply anger in a heightened situation where you have thoughts at play in your head and you have heavy emotions um, and you believe a thought or identify with that thought so much that you actually start to carry out the physical nature of what that thought is saying. So that's complete. That that's what you would call is almost like blackout entity takeover. And a lot of people after killing someone, you know, either drop the knife or, or gun or whatever. And they have a, like a small wake up right there because they don't understand who just did that. They know it wasn't them. In all honesty, it really wasn't them because no one is really fully responsible for murder because humans aren't capable of killing humans in their true sense. So when you say, when you hear someone in jail say, I killed someone, it really wasn't me. All I have is compassion for them because I understand that it really wasn't them. And there is accountability. Obviously, your physical body did it. And you have to have accountability because you didn't have control of your emotions and you didn't have control of your mind's eye and your thoughts. So ultimately you do have the responsibility in a country with laws that if you take someone's life, you have to pay the consequences. But when someone says that they don't know why or don't know how they were capable of doing it, they're, they're being completely honest. So there's a new one out. Guy's name is Daryl very recognizable because his left eye is kind of, it's kind of like grayish. So he's very noticeable and he illuminates. You haven't watched this yet. Have you? No, it is. uh, Besides the fact that he murdered someone, his interview is amazing because the only thing he talks about the whole time is the dynamic of the entity talking to him. And he describes it as multi-personalities and you can see him with that struggle and take away the murder. It's just fascinating to watch that whole thing go. So I know there's something inside of him that needs to be eradicated. No matter if he said he's given his life to the Lord or anything. I mean, people say that all the time and then they sit there and talk about talking to themselves and those two aren't one in the same. So he goes for an hour or so talking about the day that, 
he was sitting on a porch with like some 80 year old woman and you know, there's drugs at play as, as well. So, um, you know, take emotions into that. And then, you know, the drugs in your head, the voices get even stronger. Um, when you're, when you're playing on that side of the field, you know, and you amplify the voices in your head, then it's, I think it becomes even easier to like identify with it. So you could tell he snapped. It was like an 80 year old woman and he just pushed her inside the house and, and, whatever thought came into his head, he just acted it out and he became a beast for like 30 minutes. And he describes it as like an outer body experience and, and how, you know, he doesn't, he don't understand how it happened, why it happened, obviously drugs and money. And there was motivations uh, for it happening, but like explaining the murder as far as how it was carried out. No honest person can sit there and say that, you know, they did that out of, out of a pure heart. It's all entity driven and he knows that he's responsible, but he also knows that ultimately just like anyone who does an act like that, there's like some ultimate responsibility and it's, it's not with the actual person to the degree that yes, they should have been objective to their thoughts, but there's always something behind that every bad act. So long story short, he is, I know he has an entity in him. It's very apparent. He's been in jail 30, 40 years, his whole life. And you can see it. You can see, you know, obviously it's drummed down. You're in jail, so it's dormant. Um, But you, but you know, it's there. It's very evident the way he's talking. And I had watched it like a couple of days ago. So I think it was two nights ago. I was doing my process that we're talking about going to bed early, going to bed conscious. And I remember one of the last things I said, I just wanted to project something, staying conscious. And I said, I want a lucid dream. And that's all, that's all I said. So I just tried to remain as conscious as possible as I, as I went to sleep. Did I remember going to sleep and getting tired and, and staying as conscious as possible? And then I don't remember the moment where I fell asleep, but then I remember just going right into it, basically going right into it. And I was in some type of rectangular house. The only way I can describe it is like a long box, very long, lengthy. And I had my family pretty much on one side where they were all together in a room. Um, And then Daryl from this, I am a killer was on the other side of the house he wasn't near me, but every time, every time he spoke, I could hear him as if he was right next to me. And he said to, he was talking as though, you know, he was a newborn Christian and he had given his life to the Lord and all this. And then he said, but you don't want to leave me with your kids because I'm a bad, bad man. And when I heard that, I heard it clear as day. I went and got him. And he's not distraught or anything. I mean, I wouldn't got him as though, hey, Daryl, pat you on the back. Come have a seat with me. It wasn't, he wasn't refusing or anything. I mean, we were like buddies in this house. It wasn't like I was doing anything against his will. I just said, hey, Daryl, I just, and I directed him to come sit down and sat down on the three couch or on a sofa, 
like a three seat sofa. And then there's a, a coffee table vertical. And then there's a chair, but I would be facing him directly. So he sit on the sofa and I'm six feet apart. And I just sit there like this and he sits straight down. So we have straight eye contact. And I told him, and this is all based on the question of, you know, what's that one question that's going to stir something in, up inside. And I knew that he was talking about, you know, Christianity as though, you know, he had some kind of salvation, but I knew he didn't have any kind of salvation because of, of what he just said about the kids. And I told him, I said, if you had God, there's no kid or parent that you would be unsafe around. And it was just that moment that stirred that in. It was like he realized that I had called him out and that he realized like he cannot just say I'm a Christian or say I gave my life. Like I came as the messenger to call him out in that moment. But it was kind of a beautiful thing because he didn't like personally inside of him to his core. I don't think he held me to responsibility for that. But as soon as I said that his face started to twist and spiral and become demonic demonic. And I, at that point knew that that first question did what it was supposed to do, which was stir something up and, and rise it to sort of coax the demon out because I had already seen that demon. I was conscious in this lucid dream. I already seen the two people. I already knew what was in them. I already knew it was there. And I just heard it and I was like, no, you need to come sit down. <laughs> Daryl, you don't even understand. Like, you're not even you. <laughs> so he sat down and did that. And as soon as that, I started to like transmute and go really conscious. And when I went really conscious, my eyes opened. And when my eyes opened, I was like, oh, my God, I was right there. And <laughs> now my eyes are open. What do I do? And I immediately went back to all the training, like with Gene and you and, you know, what to do. With that. And I looked at my clock. It was like 1.20. I was like, man, 1.20. Okay, this is kind of like waking up in the middle of the night. Just stay conscious. And I'm going to, you know, project it. And I said, I want to go back. It's almost like you get let out in... You know how Matrix or Neo come back in sometimes? He's like, put me back in, plug me back in. Yeah. That's what it was like. I was saying, yeah. I want to go back to that spot. But for some reason, I couldn't go back to that particular spot. So I said, well, I'm just, I'm going to do some practicing because I, I basically woke myself up, you know, like Kane does. And I'm, 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 let me just practice this. So, I get an image of KK in her room and I'm over her bed and she's frightened. Like she's to the level of like, she can't speak. Her eyes are wide open. And so I get the sense that because of the spiritual work I'm doing, like it's affecting spiritual warfare in my house. So I stay there. I'm like hovering over her bed. I like seeing her face and I'm not necessarily claiming that as astral projection, because I'm too new to understand what that is. But I know that I said I want to check on KK, and that put me in the imagery of her room. And then I, I, I was so conscious that I even said, well, let me try some of the things that 
you and Gene have been talking about. And I remember very specifically like the wall theory, like see if you can go through a wall. So I would, I would try to go through a wall and I, but it was not like me getting up out of the bed, like after, and just, I, I saw the wall and I was like trying to go through it. So it was more like imagery, conscious imagery. So I don't, I never had a moment where I feel like I got up out of the bed out of my body, stood up and like tried to, but my conscious mind was saying, there's a wall there, try the wall. So I immediately saw a wall and I tried to go through that wall and it didn't work. So then I come back and I'm just, okay, just lay in the bed. Just, and the whole time I'm like, of anything else, just stay grounded, stay conscious and just try to see what you're in now because you're in that sleepy state you know and then i for some reason you know how it's very easy to go back into a dream you just say i want to go back and you're almost instantly back in that dream i've done that before and it's been so easy but for some reason i couldn't go back there i couldn't go back no matter what what i did but then i said well and i can't even believe i said this but i was like i want to go to his jail cell because i knew i was like well I know he's going to be in his jail cell. Let's just go to his jail <laughs> cell. And I uh, saw an image of a jail cell. So I was at a jail cell. I didn't have any interaction with Daryl that, you know, there was, you know, two guys sleeping in a bunk. I don't even know if I was in Daryl's cell or not or what it was, but just that thought put me visualizing a jail cell. And this is all under the context of, us trying to learn astral projection. So I know it sounds kind of crazy or maybe a bit skeptical. And I'm, I'm not claiming that I did anything profound other than the fact that I said, I want to go to his jail cell. And I was able to imagine a jail cell as if I was in a jail cell. And that's kind of how it all ended as far as what I can remember. But you said, you you got good insight on the question and how to ask the question yeah so like it was it, it, in ahead. the in the in the world of growth or resonation as far as spiritual teachers or me and you talking back and forth like the question is what has always sparked the flow on this side it's always sparked the the next step or the next, the next action when you're writing, like I said, you ask yourself a question, like, what is this? And then, you know, wait for the answer and the flow and just start writing and, and let it flow as it comes to you in coordination with your mind's eye. I'm believe I'm seeing through the things that have happened in the physical world with the confrontation of the guy that's been bothering Hayden and with things that are helping happening in lucid dream world that I'm being shown is it starts with the right question. And in that term, when I told him it was more of a statement, but it's more of like, like a sword question, like something that's going to startle or call out an entity. And what that, what that is like a sword question or what, and like I told you before, in hindsight for that guy at the grocery store, I thought the right question is, do you want to be free? Still don't know if that's 
the correct question. I mean, I feel in my heart it is, but at this, in this lucid dream with Daryl, I knew when he said that I knew I had to call him out and I knew I had to not call Daryl out. I knew I had to coax that thing in him that was misleading. And I was going to essentially call him out, but I was going to like stab the untruth in him that was going to be startled. And there's, and there's, there's a way you can do that with, with this type of energy, everything I'm discovering. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, it goes even to like exorcism, like Catholic lore. I mean, they, they, they're searching for like the right provocation. Like that's the classic from all the movies. Like yes. they want to learn the demon's name. And, um, but even before that, you know, the holy water, I mean, the whole thing is demonic, um, coaxing the, the, the whole thing. The whole ritual is around that. So to like, in presence like really simplify that and boil it down to like one phrase or one question the same way to get the ball rolling in the direction of revealing the betrayal to the true person inside right right yep like what do you think is more important like in i mean you're the one having the revelations in this area do you think you're should be aiming more at the true person or do you think you should be aiming more at the demonic entity? If I have to look back at the lucid dream, it was more at the demonic entity because it, it really had nothing to do with the person. Um, And you know he was in control because he had just he was the identity at that time because he had just revealed that he was the identity, yes, so you can't even that's what I'm saying like it's to Daryl, but it's not like Daryl's identity has been stolen, so I'm not even I'm right. not even talking to Daryl it doesn't even matter right like i'm 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 coaxing whatever has the identity of Daryl and making it uncomfortable. Because and you're using the fact that you know the that Daryl's in there somewhere and you're just letting it know that you know. Yeah. That's almost enough. Vibrational yeah. frequency. Yeah. There's a vibrational frequency of a question or a statement in light too that it cannot hide. Cannot yeah. hide from certain frequencies or certain call outs or you can disrupt it a certain way. That's crazy. found it very there and there was no fear. Even when I saw KK laying in bed and she was fearful, I had nothing but grounded nature when I was over her. And I understood that there was something being sparked in my house, but there's something being sparked in my house all the all the dang time because of, I mean, you're, you're, we don't know how much spiritual warfare we're causing. It's astronomical. If I had to guess, 
Um, but at the same time, it's not the only reason they could have got to KK because she could have been unconscious while she was sleeping. That's why I went to check on her. And that's where the complete scared fear came from her is because, you know, obviously she, uh, she might've been unconscious somewhere. I mean, and it, 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 it got back to her in, in the form of fear to where they got to her, but it's no, it's no, it's, it's nothing like there's just absolutely no fear. That's the only way I can describe it as. And, uh, KK, man, she's crazy too. Like she like leads a meditation class every night with, me and Patty, this is like what she wants to do. It's crazy. She's like so freaking aware of of what's going on in the last couple months, the kind of strides that she's made as a person and like what she sees as healthy and not healthy is like crazy. And she's like not even 12. <laughs> it's very, very cool to see. Yeah. I mean, we go, I've introduced cardio. We go on bike rides. Um, that fixed my bike up. That's another thing that's opened up. I mean, just a lot of stuff has opened up from this devotion to. It's been, it's been a good week. <laughs> but you know, like you said, it seems like it's been forever. This week seems like it's been slow motion. And now this week coming up seems like it could possibly be even slower than the week that we just had. I could yeah, that, I I don't understand that part of it at all. I mean, there, there's such a tangible stretch of time that's going between the weeks. It's it's very hard to describe, but it does feel like the last podcast was forever ago. It's um. I, I mean, maybe it's it's just the sensation of you know trying to respect the consciousness throughout, you know, your entire twenty four hour cycle, and like you said, like when you start to analyze stuff, like your TV time, and you start to do, like I've been doing, um, like some drawing and like lots more reading and, um. What was that? You had a great line where it's like it, it, when we understand that we're gods. You had like you had a brilliant one liner about understanding that you're a god, manifesting and which. Yeah, I wish I could come up with. You're it. always manifesting. Yeah, you're always manifesting, and that's really all you're looking at. Like you're always manifesting. You are. Yeah, you're always manifesting that. But you see, I, I had a lot of the knowledge, but you did a lot for me when you said that the, the thing that sticks out of my mind, when you said you just have respect for your consciousness, that made me like look inward really hardcore because I would have, you know, justification systems that even say, well, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to enjoy the night and go to bed at 10 and crash because I know I can wake up and become cautious then. (laughs) I would literally like right. go through those motions, but the respect right. thing for the consciousness and, and I had a lot of the knowledge, but 
And I was thinking, well, if you know that, Luke, then why don't you have more respect for your consciousness? So when I told myself that question, it was like a snap. It was like, yeah, duh. Well, like, what? Why are you not? Why are you not manifesting more twenty four seven? And you know, it just it didn't make sense. And uh, that's that's where the pivotal moment for me over the last week and going into the devotion that we started is it's been and that's where now all the synchronicities are like whoo they're like whoo and then and then it comes through full circle with the dream and the contract sign i mean how in the world <laughs> how in the world do you sign a contract with your spiritual guide and he turns on the dishwasher <laughs> that is over the top. yeah it's, we were saying earlier that, you know, anger and depression and anxiety and what people do is they build that um they they build that trench to their identity and then once it kind of gets hold like then it just it, it opens the floodgates for other similar identities to come in. <clears throat> but in terms of like you and I and you and I right now, like it's me watching TV, me watching current events, me watching the news, you know, me interacting with the family. And and we point this out to other people all the time. Like when they get comfortable, when they get comfortable in the identity that they're in, like that's a big problem. Huge. But that's, that's where we're at though. Like what you just were talking about and like understanding, like respecting your own consciousness or hearing that question and having it resonate for you. But you're, the pathway to your identity is now like the rut has been dug by something that's way more comfortable than anger or anxiety or depression. It's a much more comfortable identity. And so when, when, when they're swapping and they're coming in, like it's very, very subtle. Like that's the, they're, they're not abrasive. They don't stand out. They sneak in and you haven't really done anything. You haven't done anything unethical. You haven't done anything wrong. You just didn't have enough respect for your consciousness. Right. But it's so subtle. And I think that's, that's the challenge for like starting down or continuing down or, or being on that spiritual progression is you don't really get a lot of those um, hard, tangible, like anger, depression, anxiety type stuff. Like you have what ends up, what your identity ends up being claimed by are something like way more comfortable, way more chameleon like way more something that you wouldn't even really think that you have to disregard that ends up coming to the surface but that's that's the rut that leads to our identities i think now and so it just it, it just takes a lot of very very subtle care <laughs> yeah it is subtle because i while you were just talking to me you know, there's that mind's eye thing, you know, defense, 
I feel like I used my consciousness as a defense. And what I mean by that is I knew that I had, I knew that I had knowledge over things like depression and anxiety. And if they ever crept up in my life, I had my consciousness there to be able to deal with anything. So I used it as a defense over the years as how to, um, there was no way that I was going to like be in the bed for three days because of depression with the knowledge that I had. So if anything ever crept up in my life, I would be able to deal with it. But I ne I never had consciousness on full 24 seven because I knew, Oh, in the morning I'll be able to turn it on. Or I knew, um, I would be able to turn it on, like turn it. I I've never, I've never had the devotion to where you have the ultimate respect to the consciousness to say, okay, we'll take it all the way to bedtime and try to go to sleep conscious and see where that takes us. And that, that's just it. I used it as a defense almost over the life. It's, it's once some, once you have an awakening, no one ever can take that away from you like that understanding because you do have understanding on the level that you, you would never like not know how to deal with something that entered your brain that would cause depression or something. You would be able to pull back. You would be able to go meditate for 20 minutes and work something out. If something got in you, you would be able to work through it. You'd be able to get through life in that way, but it was always like a defense type consciousness this is more like offense. This is like offense yeah. consciousness. Like this is, I'm going to respect it so much that I'm going to play offense now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great, that, that's really good. And yeah. Cause I, th I think what happens and, and I, from like the initial experience and then you you get like all this spiritual balance but what that does is it like it it increases your ability to reach like a little bit more reach a little bit more in like this spiritual direction of oneness and then that reach has to then be balanced out and you have to figure out how to bring it like all the way back down to your root and incorporate like the whole thing. And now you're back in balance. And as soon as you're back in balance, like that state of spiritual balance creates another point of reach. And now you got to figure out like, Oh, I can get all the way up there. Like how do I bring the rest of myself all the way up there? And then you get balanced. So it's like this constant balancing. And when, and when you're in this, you know, perfect, beautiful, beautiful, synchronized, synchronized spiritual balance. It, it creates space for you to grow a little bit more, but then you always have to like do the work of balancing like the whole system back out. And that work is going to be nonstop because in the end you, it is, you're just the oneness of everything. I mean, so you're just working towards, like some massive greater goal that um, that's just going to require constant progression. 
But yeah, you're, it is just like you said, it's going on offense. It's reaching out for spiritual progression, getting a little taste of it, and then applying it to the rest of your form. And But then that new state that you're in allows for an even deeper reach into this spiritual progression than the one you just had. Yeah, I, I, because I think there's different levels that you can get to that we've seen in the past with other legends as far as energy and as far as like answers, it's, 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 it's kind of weird because I've always been good at like having the right answer in the moment. And it didn't require, but you just being conscious and receiving that answer. And that that's pretty easy to do. If you meditate all the time, I mean, you can find, you can find the flow, you can find the correct answer that resonates within that you see in your mind's eye. If you've done the work in your mind's eye, but on an energy level, I think there's more levels to continually, um, like for instance, my hand, I feel like it gets hotter and hotter at certain times. Like how, how does, how is that possible? Like, is there going to be a time where I can get my whole body to a certain degree where it's just so full of light that who knows what you're capable of? So the harnessing of the energy, which I mean, hence the 39 days that we're on, I mean, we're, we're attempting to harness energy in itself, but I'm saying, that level of spirituality, I don't think they say the path is narrow and few find it. Yeah, that is. But then people who actually go to access the highest energy and frequency levels, that becomes like narrower of the narrowest path. Yeah. It just keeps getting more narrow <laughs> because I, you know, I, you, you can, you can wake up and go sit on a park bench for two years and be perfectly happy and just go. And there's there, I don't think there's anything wrong with that path, but everyone has a different path, but pushing the level of how much energy can you harness and access there's so many levels to that, that I'm, I'm seeing and what those do Then when you rise your energy that high, that high just from this first week the the synchronicities get so all the time all the time they do like it's it's perpetual motion yeah and so that has to do with a higher frequency and higher energy but how far does that go i mean what what do you after I guess we'll find out in 39 days what we're capable of. Maybe I'll be flying to your house at that point. <laughs> oh, he's doing his Superman thing again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's right on. You good? Yes, sir. That was a beautiful ending. <laughs>